Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, I do encourage you to check out my other podcast covering films of the 1980s. Very exciting. Check that out. You can find the link to that at my website, Quipster.net. Today, speaking of exciting, we're going to get into the second of the Spider-Man MCU films, at least the ones where he appears more like a solo character. It's called Spider-Man Far From Home, after Spider-Man Homecoming. It's a PG-13 rated film. It does have science fiction action violence, some language, and brief suggestive comments. The runtime is two hours and nine minutes. Tom Holland returns as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Samuel L. Jackson is also in this film. Representing the MCU, Jake Gyllenhaal makes his debut into the MCU. Zendaya, Jacob Batalon, John Favreau, Marissa Tomei, Martin Starr, Remy He, Angry Rice, Kobe Smulders, J.B. Smoove, Tony Revoloi are all in the film. The director returning here is John Watts, who directed the first film. The screenplay by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. Now, Spider-Man happens to be my favorite comic book character, not just my favorite Marvel character. He's actually not my favorite MCU character, but of all of comicdom, I love Spider-Man. But that love for Spider-Man has not exactly translated into me blindly loving every movie in which he makes an appearance. In fact, most of them have been a disappointment in some form or fashion. I even was not enamored or really charmed by the debut MCU solo film for Spider-Man in Spider-Man Homecoming, even though a lot of other people seemed to love it. To me, it was trying to shoehorn itself into being two different genres of film, this retro 1980s teen comedy and a modern-day superhero flick that belongs in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, good energy, mostly likable characters did help, but I found the scenes involving the persona of Spider-Man to be lacking freshness or believability. I found the MCU material to be a little too obtrusive to the overall story, and it made it feel more like an Iron Man spinoff than something more organic, at least something that I, a Spider-Man fan, would really get into. And Spider-Man Far From Home continues a lot of this going forward. There's an expansion in locales, though, beyond the home turf, of course. It's both an improvement, I would say, in the tone of the formula set by its predecessor, but also a disappointment because it does cling a little too much to that formula. The 80s-inspired teen comedy material is still here, although not quite as homage-laden this time out, but the teen 80s kind of stuff does emerge, I think, as the best stuff that Far From Home has to offer on the entertainment front. It is a breath of fresh air coming after the very heavy, very emotional experience of Avengers Endgame, especially as it takes into account the events that transpired in that film into account right out of the gate here, including the scary ordeal suffered by Peter and many of his brethren and the fate of the beloved mentors, Tony Stark. If you've seen Avengers Endgame, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, I'll try not to spoil it here. However, what's still lacking is the sense of awe, of wonder, of the joy of discovery about the superhero side of things. And that finds the film becoming a series of prolonged animated set pieces that are not particularly thrilling. They sometimes go on far longer than I would deem necessary. John Watts, as I mentioned, he returns here as the director, as do two of Homecoming's original six screenwriters, Eric Summers and Chris McKenna. They also wrote the screenplay to another moderately entertaining but, you know, mostly forgettable MCU film in Ant-Man and the Wasp. The reduction of people touching up the script does help it feel less of a patchwork this time out. But 
It's still an unbalanced product that nearly completely unravels as it enters its second half. There's some herky-jerky CG elements that dominate for longer and longer periods of time through the runtime, while the more enjoyable teen-oriented character beats that we like so much in the first half of this film become mostly extinguished during that time. While the budget from Far From Home has come down from the $175 million dollars of Homecoming to $160 million. One would gather that not having to shell out the money to bring in Robert Downey Jr. is probably the key difference in the budgets. It still somehow looks and feels like a film that cost maybe half that amount. The characters look every bit like they're performing in front of a green screen throughout, and then you go into full-on CG mode with this form of almost weightless sense of physics that are employed that feel as if the characters popped out of a video game. Now, you could chalk it all up to a certain degree of being intentional. I mean, given that what we see is not entirely real at all times, but even if you take it on this level, I think what's meant to be real actually looks as fake as the fake stuff, so it's hard to tell. So it's not that it looks bad per se, but I do think it sure is not going to knock anyone's socks off compared to what we've seen before over the last decade or so in these superhero films. Now, while Far From Home doesn't reveal who the villain is until well into the story, I think uh, if you're a longtime Spider-Man fan, you're not going to be surprised. Obviously, if you've read Spider-Man in his comic book form, in any measure, you've likely heard of Mysterio, the master of illusion, one of the primary heavies in Spider-Man for a long time. Now, this take actually turns that on his head early on because it makes him into a good guy, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. He gets to don the proverbial fishbowl as Quentin Beck, this interdimensional savior of Venice when a giant water monster surfaces to try to destroy the city. Peter Parker just happens to be there at the time. One of the many contrivances that Spider-Man always seems to be at the worst place at the worst times. He's traveling to Europe for a week-long trip with his class from high school. Peter, of course, is gifted with superhero powers, but he doesn't have the great responsibility of the other incarnations of the character in films or in the comic book. He would rather just be a teenager and do teenage things, like trying to find a way to express his feelings to his major crush, MJ. He wants to do it on top of the Eiffel Tower at the end of their trip, kind of akin to Clark Kent proposing to Lois in Superman 2 at the beginning of that film. Now, with the Avengers in a sort of disarray, Nick Fury ends up assembling Beck, dubbed in the press as Mysterio, with Peter, who sees this new hero of Mysterio as a surrogate mentor to live up to in the wake of Tony Stark's demise. And they're going to stop the future scary elementals from coming out of the woodworks again to destroy a major city or maybe even the world. Now, if you take Far From Home as a young adult romp in the superhero universe, it does get a passing grade for being entertaining for audiences that love superhero films, but are rarely finding one that will actually appeal directly to teens on their level. It is, at the very least, amusing when it tries to be, and much of this is thanks to the performance of Jacob Batalon as Ned, Peter's classmate and best bud, and Biggest confidant, since he's the only one who actually knows Peter's connection to the popular alter ego of Spider-Man. More than any other live-action Spider-Man series, I would say this one does a really great job of unifying Peter and Spider-Man as a single entity. Because Peter's superhero alter ego is just as naive, he's just as awkward, while he's fighting villains, as Peter Parker is, at doing just about anything in his personal life. Laughs do come out when Peter utilizes a pair of high-tech glasses left to him by Tony Stark that allows him very powerful control of Tony's automated and 
AI arsenal, which Peter jealously uses to seek to spy on Brad, the hunky rival for MJ's hand on this trip. Only he comes to find that when he triggers the surveillance, he's actually sent an armed and deadly drone to strike the bus of his target that he and his classmates are actually on. I mean, if he can't even protect his friends from his own ineptitude, Peter thinks, what chance does he have on saving the world from more powerful and savvy enemies? Now, it's interesting to note here that while much of Far From Home plays things up as all fun and games, there is a theme here, kind of an important theme, that resonates about the media and public perception in terms of the truth of who we know and what we see and what we think is the truth on a daily basis. Those with power may not actually have the capabilities to save the world or make it a better place, but they are sure good at manipulating what we see in order to make it seem like they have it all under control at all times. It's kind of an interesting and timely notion that you kind of wish that would have been more firmly integrated into the fabric of the overall story instead of just as an occasional aside within this narrative that only really wants to play things up for laughs or with major effects-laden set pieces. As entertainment, I think it's all fine, but like Peter himself, it only reluctantly does what it does because it's expected of him or expected of this movie and would rather actually not get serious if it can at all be helped. Both Peter and the movie just want to be liked. Respect is for the real superheroes. Now, some will be happy to see this as just a charming escapist diversion and nothing more, kind of like the Ant-Man series and come away moderately entertained. But I think that while it may be good enough to qualify as a hit, Far From Home is still far from a home run. But just enough, like I said, just enough of a hit for me to give it a mild recommendation here. Three stars out of four is what I'm giving. Spider-Man, Far From Home, three stars on my scale. I do think it's recommended for those people who like this kind of movie. If you're a big Spider-Man fan, if you love the MCU and you've seen all the films so far, there's no reason not to see this. This is definitely going to be up your alley, especially if you liked Homecoming. I was not as keen on Homecoming. I think if I watched it again, I probably would come around to it, but I haven't really watched it again. I'll let you know if I do. But Spider-Man Far From Home, I did find entertaining enough to give it my recommendation of three stars out of four. Oh, and one final thing, of course, if you actually see Spider-Man Far From Home, stick around through the end credits. There are a couple of scenes that not only set up for the future Spider-Man films, but also the future of the MCU. Definitely worth sticking around to the very end if you're so inclined. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you did, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button and you'll continue to get all of my reviews as they come out. Also, if you happen to see Spider-Man Far From Home and you have your own thoughts on this that you want to impart to me or you just want to get in touch with me for any other reason, you can find my contact information at my website. That's at quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. And until next time, thanks, everyone, for listening. And please enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. <laughs>